This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey everyone, welcome to She Podcasts, the podcast. This is episode 398. I am your co-host, Jessica Kupferman. With me, as always, the uplifting Elsie Escobar. Hello. How are you, Miss Elsie? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We have all kinds of stuff to talk about in this episode today. Before we do, though, I want to get this out of the way early so that whoever's listening now will remember... You need to go get your tickets for She Podcast Live. You need to do it right now because the hotel rooms I know for sure might sell out and the tickets might sell out and you don't want that to happen to you. It is April 24th. It is a little less than two months away. It is in Washington, D.C. We are going to have amazing speakers. We're having amazing parties. We're going to have the Sonic Bloom Awards show during she podcast live so you need to get your tickets if you're local to washington area we have day passes even if you're not we have day passes go to shepodcastlive.com right now and get your tickets for she podcast live it's going to be amazing it's going to be incredible you don't want to miss it if you are needing a podcast posse or people to hold your hand or support you or just a room full of people to understand what the heck you're going through while you're on this podcasting journey, this is the best way to do it. I mean, there are so many people whose lives have changed from going to an in-person event, ours included. I mean, this is how we started She Podcast Live was a live event, not ours. But how we started She Podcast, I meant overall, was from meeting each other at a live event mm-hmm. and a few other women. So now it's 21,000 people. So you never know what's going to happen in a live event. And this is one that we may not do for a little while also. Because mama needs a break. So yeah, get your tickets now because it could be a year or so before you see it again. Shepodcastlive.com. Okay, on with the show. Book it, lady. Book it, book it. Seriously, you need to book it because those are going to run out before tickets probably. Just Mm. book your room, Jenny. Seriously. Go do it right now. There's a little bit of a deposit, but if you don't get it, I'm afraid you won't get it. Book it, book it, book it, book it. All right. Book it, book it, book it. We had a very interesting discussion last episode about the conversation around beef and uh, and and beef meaning the show beef, not just beef, not cows, <laughs> not cows. <laughs> the show beef. beef right now that's doing really well on Netflix. Which again, I still have not seen it. One of the lead actors in there said some kind of really inappropriate things in a podcast in 2014. Oh yes, yeah, and um, it was essentially he admitted that he was being rapey, which is. Odd and weird. Like, why would anybody say that? But anyway, we discussed that conversation in the last episode. So if you want to listen to that context, uh, it's episode 397. And go ahead and listen to that. But we got a little bit of feedback from Julia Klein, which is somebody who's been part of our community for quite a while. She's a pretty amazing person. Has also and a speaker and it had come to she podcast live and all the things anyway brilliant people that come to our events and she has a very specific point of view around this because 
the Me Too movement was a really, it has been a, a big impetus for the kind of creator work that she has done in podcasting. And she had an email that she sent to you, to us, right? Jessica, yes, do you want to yes. like chat a little bit about the email? Sure. Yeah. So again, we were talking about the situation last week with another podcaster who's on a big, who's in a big movie right now or a big show. He was talking about doing stuff that was inappropriate at a massage parlor and told the story in a very, and, you know, admitted that he was, you know, assaulting her and she didn't want to, blah, blah, blah. Now, three years, however many years later, he's saying it was a joke and we should all just know that it was a joke because his podcast is a comedy podcast and we should just never take anything he says seriously. So then we started talking about like how far back do you need to go to judge or not judge someone because like Kevin Spacey's thing happened 20 years ago. You know, Louis C.K. and and actually Kevin Hart, I think, was being crucified for stuff that he said 15 years ago. Like, they were like gay jokes. Meanwhile, he is a comedian, and that was the norm. And comedians, I feel like, have – I don't want to say they have different rules because it's not nice to tell demeaning jokes. But I am saying that, like, sometimes, like, Lisa Lampanelli, like, she was called the queen of mean, and, like, she would – tell jokes about whoever was in the crowd. So you were not safe regardless of, of what you look like or who you, anyway. So Julia was kind enough to send us a list of how to tell if someone has changed. There's a series of questions to ask as to whether or not this person should be what I'm calling crucified. She says, my podcast solving me too exists primarily to provide members of the general public with an answer to the questions you guys raised on the show. And she goes on to say that it's a show that she published a couple of years ago, but whatever. The answer isn't just to say people can change. It's to ask these questions about whether or not they've changed. Number one, has the harm stopped? This is hands down the number one question to ask in all situations like this. If the harm is continuing in any fashion, then there's nothing to talk about other than consequences, right? In the case you described on the show, theoretically, we're talking about an isolated incident. So moving on, number two. Does the perpetrator acknowledge that their actions caused harm, whether or not there was intent? So in other words, do they say, I'm sorry if anyone, I guess, misunderstood me? Or do they say, I'm sorry if my actions caused harm? And actually, to me, that does make a difference. Because I'm sorry you were hurt is not the same as I'm sorry I hurt you. And that's a very deliberate difference, usually, with people who are apologizing, even myself. That's number three, by the way, what you just said. Oh, shit. Um, okay, so <laughs> no, it's not. I'm talking about whether or not it caused harm. Right, I know, but like what I'm saying to you is number three says what you just oh. said. Do they take responsibility? Not I'm sorry you're sensitive, but I'm sorry I did that. I should have been more sensitive. But yeah. I was talking about I'm sorry if my things caused harm, not I'm sorry there was harm. But this is the same thing, but, it, right, but right. he's saying she's saying an apology is number three. Acknowledging is number two. I just want to make that distinction. Okay. Number four, what assurances can the perpetrator give that it will never happen again? Number one, or like, you know, 4A, tell us what you've done to change. What made you commit harm then? How has it changed about you now? Number two, or B, has something changed in your life, like overcoming addiction, getting a stable job, removing a toxic person that makes us say, okay, you did harm partially because of what you were being influenced by. So since those are gone, it's unlikely it'll continue. And number five, are you walking your talk? Have the perpetrator's actions, not just words, in the time since the incident demonstrated that they've changed? And I think those are extremely 
good guidelines. Yep. I'm going to... And she's here. Julia Klein is here. She's Hi, here. Hi, Julia. I'm going to go ahead and put these in the show notes. Yeah, we'll um, break it or Did down. you already do that? Oh, you already did it. Okay. Um, that way you can see these in the show notes, shepodcast.com, in case you're curious or you need to... Um, and also go check out Solving Me Too, the podcast that Julia did. Hi, dear. How are you? I mean... I don't know that we can necessarily bring you into the chat, but I just want to say thank you for sending us those. Those are really good distinctions. I think that, again, especially in the realm of comedy, it's hard to say whether or not that they've taken actions to, or, or the, are you, I mean, cause the question is, are they still telling jokes? The answer is probably yes, but like, are they still telling jokes about X, Y, and Z? Maybe. And then are they, you know, I don't know. I mean, she said, I just waved at the screen and realized it's not a Zoom. <laughs> Hi! <laughs> if you, if I, if, not me, and I'm not using me in this example, but if somebody tells a racist joke to a crowd on stage during a stand-up show 20 years ago, but they haven't done it since, obviously there's nothing to discuss. But if they still pepper it in here and there, what are you supposed to do? It's a comedy show. Yeah, but I don't think that's an excuse. Like, I know that you're talking. I know comedy is very dear to your heart, Jess. So I get I get that. I get that. But what I think that there, there's other layers to this, too, is because I think the beef dude, I mean, in all honesty, I don't follow him. I don't know what his work is. I don't know anything. I don't know. Right? I, I honestly don't know. The only no, thing that, that I clearly have, saw. Well, the thing is, he said it was a lot. He said it was a story. He told the story. We thought it was true. Three years later, he says that it wasn't true, that it was just a storytelling context because the the show itself used to be a specific type of podcast, which was comedy leaning. And there were some storytelling aspects involved that went away. I don't know what his career has been since 2017. I Again, I don't follow the dude. I don't know if he's a comedian. I don't I, obviously he's an actor because he's acting. And this popped up. The last time he addressed this issue was in 2017. He's doing this show now and everybody's bringing that thing again. But we don't know what's happened in between. And I think yeah. that the the things that um, Julia has asked is, have we seen or has there been discussion in the space of the entertainment world where he has continued to either behave in this way, speak in this way, do it again, have relationships where people who he had his had relationship with has has had problems with him. All of the things that she's asked, you know, is he now not that person again? And I haven't seen him talk about it. I don't know what it sounds like. You know, when you read people respond to issues, when you read yeah. responses, sometimes the reading the responses doesn't bring the nuance of actually having an interview with somebody and True. what they look like in conversation around the issues. All they'll, all they'll see is like, you all should forget about that. That was tw in 2017. Maybe he said something like that within the conversation. Again, I know nothing. I'm just saying that's what it is. But you're talking specifically about the comedian angle of it. But I think that comedian angle of it has to be a different conversation. And I'm probably not the one to have it I with mean you. Because I don't agree with what you're saying. Well, let me just say this. So, like, I just, as you were talking, I did a little Google search about Sarah Silverman because she used to do a rape joke that really was like, 
it's terrible, but it's also funny, but it's terrible. But she used to say, um, I was raped by a doctor, which is bittersweet for a Jewish girl. I don't know what that means. Well, because we're Jewish parents are always telling their kids to marry a doctor or like mm. become a doctor or marry a doctor and become a doctor. So like being raped by a doctor is like, oh, no, I was raped, but it was a doctor. It was, it was just a oh. joke about right. Jews, really. But I found an interview from The Guardian um, in 2017 that says there are jokes I made 15 years ago that I absolutely would not make today. So that is a perfect example. Nobody's ever crucified her or come after her that I know about. But I still think it's a good idea if you're questioned about it to just be like, yeah, that was – I'm not – I wouldn't do that again. Like like I did it then and it was callous and I wouldn't do it again. And I think that is something that I wouldn't mind hearing beef guys come out of beef guys' mouth, not – it was a joke. Don't be so serious. Because I think, I do think that comedians that are like, it was a joke. Like, everyone's so sensitive. Everyone's so this. Like, you only act that way because you're afraid that you've said something bad and you don't want to be crucified for it. Because otherwise, you would just own your shit and be like, I know better. We all collectively as a society know better now. And so my actions have changed. And then change them. Don't be so fucking offensive. Right. And then... Julia just says the question is, did the words inflict harm? Some would say it did. Some would say it did not. That's the challenge. Yeah. And again, in terms of like surfacing stuff, and I think this is where this is one of those things where I'm like, I am so glad that there were no cell phones. Oh, my God. When I was in my early 20s, or like I was in Hollywood. We talked about this last time because of my boobs being all over New Orleans. Well, yeah, that's right. Because, yeah, yeah man. I mean, being Somewhere behind the microphone, there. like, think about yes. just your ability, the maturity level of being behind the mic or being captured on, like, having a conversation with somebody that might have asked a question that you didn't quite know how to answer. And then right. in your younger self, might have said something that's no longer applicable that you didn't even remember that you said. And then, it, there's just so much to that. It's There's so much to that. I mean, we can talk I, about what happened uh, on our show if you want. I mean, not specifically to rephrase the harmful shit, but like there's one episode of our show that we took down because I was explaining how I was explaining racism to someone stupid. Yeah, I would not say – I would not – I would leave it at that. I would not. I am leaving it at okay, that. Okay, that's it. And yeah. – my point was that sometimes you have to just be stupid in order to convince stupid people of things. But but saying what I said out loud, which was stupid, was also harmful and hurtful. And so I apologized and I took it off and it's it'll never go back. And it was a stupid thing to say, but I didn't mean that it was right. Just that you have to go to extremes in order to educate other people. But still, it happens. And, I'm you know, if somebody has that or has had it, you know, they could – probably crucify me with that but it was years ago and yeah like julia said it hasn't happened since and i certainly don't actions haven't really changed because i wasn't racist in the first place so it's but not it's like very like, challenging to have words like that come back and resurface in a lot of different yes. forms where you're like in the middle of moving forward with a situation and then you have this other thing pop up and you're like wait what yeah oh my god and so it derails i think our development as humans like the the capacity of our brains to understand the vastness of somebody's life 
at the blink of a moment, meaning you have access, like especially with the way that we're doing this, somebody could literally analyze our podcast, our 10 years of our words with one another and get us digest, like through AI, really grab all of that, get in a whole entire amount of information about us in their brains or within a database that nobody prior to this time in our world has ever been able to do so fast. It's true. Without the appropriate amount of study and analysis and understanding context times, like as humans, even historians have a hard time being able to piece together all of these things. And it takes time and attention and work amongst a lot of different people. Now you can literally do it with a snap of a lit, depending upon how much technology you have available to you. And our brains, I don't think have, they've never had to do things like that. So I think it does pose other issues. It is tricky. Like part of me feels like no one should be judged or crucified for anything that they did. I mean, obviously, except for crime, anything that they did, like, yesteryear and yesteryear because our society is constantly evolving like i also like when i was in first grade if i would get in trouble for talking the timeout chair was right next to the teacher facing the whole class it was public humiliation like i would get in trouble for talking and i'd have to go to the front of the class turn around sit down and stare at them the whole time i was being punished it was completely humiliating And, like, that would never stand now. Also, kids used to get beaten in school with objects, wooden objects. That would never happen now. But So what do you do? Close the school down because they beat someone 40 years ago? It's ridiculous. You can't go back now and pinpoint every problematic thing because our society as a whole was problematic and, and is now and will be tomorrow and in five years and another five years. You just have to move forward, I think. We can, I mean, people are, I just feel like there's a group of people that are constantly trying to find stuff about you to crucify you with that happened before when our society, no, it doesn't include assault, murder, crime. No, no, no. Of course they need to pay for their actions. I'm talking about like, I mean, I'm not, I guess I'm not talking about sexual assault. I'm talking about like sexual assault in the sense that like your boss pinches your ass. Our society was very... I mean, yes, it makes everyone uncomfortable. No, no, no. I'm, you're right. She's saying, does that include assault, murder? Do people need to pay for some actions no matter how long? Some say yes. Others argue for forgiveness. Again, it's like you said, like, has the are they continuing to be a pig? Because if the answer is yes, clearly they need to be crucified. I mean, think about whoever was, like, hit but with nuns. Would you go back to the nuns and, like, hit them with, like, a child abuse charge? Even if you're 25, I don't think so. Jess, I think that there are systemic problems and there are cultural, very unaligned issues and possibly very incredibly harmful things that were allowed through cultural, just through, through the world, right? And institutions that had these intrinsic values or like the racist, uh, you know, history of the Catholic church in so many different ways. And the colonial history around the Catholic church is its own thing. And I feel that those that were in certain situations within monasteries or schools or things like that often manifested 
a behavior that was at that time the norm, right? right. And so More we get an right, right, and we get an opportunity to see that, look at it, recognize the harm, which is where the idea around or the the push for reparations with you know what happened in the United States with slavery is a thing, right? Because the harm that was imposed no, in an entire group of people is one thing, right? right. But we're not. Like what we're, you're talking about is is not we're not going back to that one nun that did that one thing. Right. But what I'm bringing up here is the access that we have to also the privacy of human beings going through their own complex lives yeah. and recognizing their behavior. There's I'm sure we've all made a choice. Yeah, but no, but Julia is specifically calling out violent perpetrators, and right. I do think they need to pay for their crimes. Violence, right? Yes, but that that line is not as blurry to me as just like she said, systemic societal norms right. that weren't right. Right. Also, I just want to end this conversation if we could on a silver lining. Okay. My little boy, who always has a million questions about everything, was asking me questions about Gen X versus Gen Y versus Millennial versus what you know, like. And I was, I looked up an article and I gave him the characteristics of Generation X, Millennials, Y, because, you know, his dad and I are X, his brother and sister are Y, and he's what's called Alpha. And so the characteristics of Generation Alpha are children. You don't see it now because they're still children. But look at your kids, watch them for a second when it comes to certain things, for example. They are very conscious about consent when being touched or touching they don't appreciate or approve of any kind of discrimination being called out for your sexuality, for your gender, for your color, for your ethnicity. They don't stand for that at all. Not one bit. They are completely intolerant of intolerance because we taught them that at a young age. Like, So whether we fight these fights right now in a couple years, I don't think it will matter as much because our children will not make those mistakes, nor will they have had to live through a time when women often got pinched on the ass at work, that it will not be a thing. They will not perpetrate that crime unless they're like violent criminals. I could be wrong, but I don't think the eight-year-olds of today are growing up to be the sexual assaulters of tomorrow. And that's because we've made such an emphasis on what we're talking about now. But I do think that like going back and digging through to try and find any racist or sexist thing that someone said is a waste. Like just focus on your kids and what they're doing right and wrong and teach them the right and wrong thing. And that way we'll have a society when we're older that we built that we appreciate instead of, I don't know, instead of constantly trying to like get one over on someone and ruin their life. That's all. I mean, don't you think, Elsie, you have your kids are a little older than mine, but like wouldn't you agree that they're much less forgiving about, um, what are they called? I don't want to say discrepancies. I bet yeah, it's no, not intolerance in general. I understand what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I have issues with what's happening in society right now. But I mean, when it comes to yeah, some of these too. things, I think that there's a lot of stuff that they are great at being able to to see and determine on their own. And the advocacy that they can do for each other and the way that they deal with one another is very interesting. And the fact that they recognize so much vocabulary terms and understand yeah. these concepts that were, that I didn't even know existed, even though they might've been happening around 
It's all such a good thing, though. Yeah. Knowing what non-binary is and knowing all that stuff and wanting to know it, too. Like, he asked me such a hard question yesterday, and I didn't even know how to begin to answer it. He was asking me about the difference between a they, you know, like gender and sexuality. That part was easy to explain. But then he was like, well, what if, you know, it's confusing. He was like, well, what if some, well, first he wanted to know what kind of genitalia they had. I guess he thought there was like a mix happening where like if you're non-binary, you have like part vagina and part penis. I don't know. But I assured him that everyone, you know, is usually most likely, you know, 99.9% are born with one or the other, but it doesn't mean that they relate to that gender and they can sometimes relate to, but whatever. I explained it the way you're supposed to explain it. And then he wanted to know, but are they gay or are they straight? Mm. And I was like, yes, they're all the things just like everyone else is all the things. They're separate. It's very nuanced. And he's only eight. He knows what sex is, sort of. Yeah, but I think that it's, yeah, he'll understand at some point. And I think a lot of us are also in that realm of really wanted to know understanding all the things. And yeah, I mean, so I mean, but I just mean the fact that they're like, I mean, I would never have asked my parents something like that because I didn't even know that shit existed. So I'm happy that he wants to know. I'm happy he wants to get it straight in his head. I'm happy that he's trying to figure out how to think about it, what he thinks about it himself and his own little self, like if he approves or just, you know, just whatever. I can tell that he's just like working on it in his head. And he's had counselors that are non-binary and I don't know how the conversation got on this. The point is, I like to think that our children are more tolerant than we are and... I look forward to when we're not having to dig this far into people's pasts because the adults will be already just naturally know how to behave like human beings. Yeah. All right. Andrea says, I hear this. My five-year-old niece was telling me how a boy at kindergarten was dumb because he said only boys can marry girls. And she was like, he's wrong. Boys can marry girls. (laughs) Girls can marry girls. And girls can marry boys. Yes, of course. (laughs) And then Julia said, good thing Florida's making it illegal for teachers to cover any of this non-binary <laughs> stuff all the way through high school. Oh, that doesn't matter. They'll teach each other just like we always did. It's a, yeah, no, it, that's a whole conversation in the land of the chaos, which is. They don't teach you until how sex works until you're like in fifth grade. And up until fifth grade, I didn't even know. I didn't even know there was a hole. I thought the man just took the penis and like moved it up and down the line. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's my own body. I had no idea until I was 10, you guys. Nobody told me. It wasn't covered. In- I didn't know. It. Hey, listen. N- not uh, I don't even want to go down school. that. Uh, yes. Not covering that in school is they'll teach each other. Don't worry about that. We can teach them. They can teach each other. The access that these kids have to all the other things that are not related to school is what's got me the most worried, actually. But... Oh, like, yeah, the internet and shit. Yeah, I know. Yeah, a, all of the stuff. But yeah, speaking of that, good. there at some point, I know that you also disagree with me. I don't want to talk about this, though, about right what? now about AI stuff. But I've been really thinking about AI stuff. But we're going to talk about it from the perspective. I, don't disagree. I I rarely disagree with you when it comes to tech shit. Just explain your. No, I'm not going to talk about that right now. We are going to talk now about. Now is the time of sprockets when we dance. That the, now is the time where I just want to talk about how cute my new camera is, which is powered by AI. How cute I am. And I got all excited. Oh, right. (laughs) Because you are cute. Elsie's Tool Tips. 
So I got a new camera, folks. I'm using it right now. This is called the Insta360 Link. And there is a very specific reason as to why I got this camera. So I got this camera because I'm going to be traveling a lot during the summer. And video has been very top of mind with the majority of aspects of the job that I've been doing lately. And I needed to have something that was above a webcam vibe, like just the internal webcam. And then the one that I did buy, the ones that I have bought, that I just, they left me wanting a little bit more. And so this is the Insta360 link. It is not an inexpensive camera, but it's quite phenomenal. When I did a little, as much research as I did with other content creators that were really centering video, the Insta360 cameras as a whole kept coming up. And this one specifically is a camera for uh, the computer. And it's got these built-in ways to be able to make it follow you. So if I had it turned on, I can have this little camera follow me anywhere in the room. Um, It can move with me at any time. It can also really focus on if you're doing a presentation behind you, um, you do these hand signs, which I'm not going to do because I don't want to do it right now. (laughs) It might do it. You do hand signs and it automatically can read what you're doing and it focuses on you. It goes on the whatever thing that I'm writing, the whiteboard that I have behind me. Mm -hmm. It does stuff like that. So it does this? Yeah, it follows you. If I have it on me, it'll do it. It'll automatically refocus on you if you want to do it that way too. And it is really, really small. It is like the camera itself is about this big, y'all. It is like super small and cute. It looks like a little baby R2-D2. Like I have this, I took a video of it and it moves around. Like it does like all this like weird stuff. Like if you put it on there and like, and it also shuts down all on its own. It is a phenomenal. And also it can do a, if you put it tripod. for, for you desk, put it on a tripod, it looks like you could put it on a tripod, but you can also have it look at the desk. Like it has desk mode right. for it, for, overhead yeah, mode. Yeah, yeah. You can make it do Ooh. that as well. And I can actually adjust it just based on an app that it has in here. And it's like, it's super easy. It's got a little gimbal control thingy and I can move it back and forth and like make it fairly close the positioning. I don't want to do it too much, but it's like, ooh, la 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 la. No, that's not like something super unusual for cameras to be able to do now. Through your computer it is. Like we have this, I have this Sony camera that I can't. Yeah, this is all in the computer for sure. I can't can't do anything through my computer. That's so much handier and it's so much cheaper. I can see the autofocus of it. It's got streamer remote. And, oh, and I can also record and I can do um, Instagram real size stuff through this computer. It automatically will crop it for you if I do that kind of stuff. So I'm super That's thrilled awesome. with it because this is a to-go type of a thing. And it's super light and cute and small and not. So yeah. again, for me, I was thinking portability, portability, portability. I yeah. need something I can take with me and looks as good as it does now. And it's amazing. And it actually can stream in 4K. So the quality of this thing is unbelievable. I wonder if it's better than the studio display. I mean, it's already better in the sense that you can put it in different modes so it can see what your hands are doing. Right. Because obviously a monitor camera isn't going to be that 
flexible. I mean, I guess if the, mo- I mean, the, the monitor is not even that flexible. So, but like, I wonder if it would be like a good backup or if it's like not as good as the one that comes with the studio display. I, I don't know if you, do you happen to look at that. The built-in cameras, from what I've read from everybody, everybody in the Mac community, and you're welcome to read all of this stuff up, is that they are deeply disappointed by the quality oh. of the internal camera of every single webcam in all of the Macs. So there is no Even Mac the newest out there. One, I think I look good. Even the newest one. They said that it is not up to par with mm. some of the cameras out there, particularly the iPhone, right? So... If you're going to be using, if you already have an iPhone, might as well use that as your your external camera. But most folks are not happy with the cameras that are built into the Macs right now. And especially since even the MacBook Airs and the, you know, the the MacBook Pros that have just come out with the M1 and M2 chips, the camera has not been updated really. Not to the extent of some of these other ones. But this one specifically is a great camera for things like if you're walking around a room or if you want to take a make a class and yeah. you want to have that webcam take that vibe. Cooking, yeah. Cooking kind of stuff. It moves with you and it's really great because I did use it. I put the robot on and it's so good because it does follow you around. That's awesome. So I'm sharing with you again. It's a it's a bigger investment. It is not an inexpensive one, but no, I it's have like three fifty at looks like $350. Yeah, I got it for 280 something without a stand. So I think it's three something if it comes with a little, you can have a little you stick in You don't need the, the tripod. It, no. All cameras will fit on any tripod. I mean, the iPhone yeah. won't, but anything that's an, a camera, they all have a universal screw, screwer honor that goes with every tripod. So don't feel like you have to buy the tripod of the thing you buy because tripods are like 20 bucks on Amazon. It's silly. But yes, you're right. It's 300 though. It's 300. That's what I found. Yeah. So I, I've been really happy with it. I'm actually very impressed with it because like I said before, I do own, you know, the Logitech 3950, which is Probably the best upgrade that you can still get for for about 60 bucks, which is great. I Mm. also had the Elgato face cam, which is about $129. And I did not like that camera. I tried to use it so many different times because I've heard such good stuff about it, but it just never worked for me. And then finally, I was like, I can't I can't use either one of those cameras. I don't know if I'm going to take my Sony with me when I'm on the road. So I'm like, I think this is a good. It's too fragile. You're right. Yeah. And so this one is small, compact, and I have the option of also using my phone on the road too. And so these these cameras to me, I think that they've solved the problem that I was looking to solve. Does the Insta360 have a remote or does it have to be attached to your computer in order for you to fiddle with it? You know what? You can fiddle with it with your hands. Like I said, if you want to oh. zoom it or move it, you can make hands gestures. I, I have oh, all that stuff right. turned off okay. because it moves. Like every time I go like this, it'll like it'll start to reset its own thing. So, so if it's on a tripod and you turn it on, you can just go whoop and it'll and it'll grab you. You, you don't do have a to thing. Like hit you, like got, a, you have to oh, go like this. You do a gesture. gesture. You do a God, gesture. That's so cool! Oh my God! Just spit on my desk and it that's zooms so cool. it. Yeah. <laughs> So it like does the stuff with your hands and the AI is built into it. Like I said, it is super smart to readjust. I've turned every single robot setting off right now because mm-hmm. because I found that it kept doing that. I was on doing a show and I got myself in frame 
And then I hadn't turned that off. And every time that I moved, it re it reframed me. And I was like, that's ah, weird, dude. That's so stop weird. doing it. So I had to turn it off. But other than that, so though, it's very, very cool. And it's super cute. Next so, question. Have yeah. you been able to play with because I know now you have more than one camera. Have you been playing with like camera one, camera two, camera one, camera yeah, two? Yeah, because like- I have Ecamm. I have Ecamm Live. And so I have them all set. So you can just wait. But as you're recording, can you do it? Jump oh, cameras? Yeah. Or can you just do it? Or do you have to do it in post? No, I do it like in, in Ecamm. I can actually record oh, that's right. camera A, camera B, camera C. And then it either it gives you right. a together file as in like mm-hmm. the whole thing as I'm switching. And it also records separate cameras if I want to. Not all the time. You have to pick it. And then if I want to have separate cameras, it will record separate cameras. So I have the two angles for post if I want to do that first post. Amazing. With Ecamm and this, it makes me super stoked to be um, able to That's to amazing. Do you know I have to get one now because you have one and I oh like to God. play with the toys you like to play with. I'm very impressed with this little camera. But again, it's a use case though. You know what I mean? It's not an inexpensive investment and you have to know like, why do I want this, right? Why am I doing this? Number one, part of my job right now is creating a lot more video. The end, right? And being able to have the highest quality video regardless of where I am is like of utmost important to me. And so this has to do. Portability is also another really important thing. Are there cameras that are not this small and cute? Yes, but I also need something that I can put in my bag and it's not going to make it super, super weighty. So that's also another reason why I did this and the expandability of it. It's really great to be able to have both of those things. So that's why I got this specific camera. If you're not doing that, you don't need to, right? If you have your, by the way, the iPhone, again, I've been testing the iPhone. The iPhone is doing so good. You have to see, like, do you want to have both? I mean, I like having the, I like having all of the above. <laughs> yeah, all the. I love them both. It is, but it's super cute. I really love it um, for that. And sticking to the AI conversation here, um, there are some tools that are coming to podcasting specifically. And I know that there's more than the ones that I'm going to mention right now, by the way. I'm, this is not a comprehensive list, for God's sake. But there is another app that is called Podcastle, Podcastle all together. And what it does is it really, it it simplifies audio editing for you, kind of like the way the script does it for you. Mm-hmm. But, it, and, but it also has other things within it, like it, uh, the audio processing that it does for sure. Then it has transcription as well, right? So it's added to that whole thing. It does have the revoice AI kind of capability, the same thing that Descript does to be able to add a different voice to the mix in there. Mm-hmm. And... I do believe that it's got some video recording as well. And it's got, I think that this is one part where I wasn't like, oh, it provides episode summaries as well. If you want to be able to do something like that within it already. Mm -hmm. So there are like some really interesting things when it comes to editing stuff. Now that I'm going to put a link in the show notes to a review that was done on Podcastle. And at the end, it says this, Podcastle will need much better video editing to challenge the script, but it's working on that. 
Some incremental improvements were made within the month or so since I first started testing it. It could also use some publishing features for sending exported projects directly to YouTube and social media platforms, but really enjoyed using PodCastle Pro and it helped inspire me to start and finish some projects I've been putting off. That's what a good productivity app should do. Again, it is a paid service. It is $23.99 per month. When billed annually, it's $30 per month, essentially monthly. So it's another tool out there that is helping podcasters edit their stuff. Amazing. To uh, compete with the script. Nice. Gotta love that. Gotta love that. Do you have a tool that you want to share today, Jessica Kupferman? You know what? I of course I do. I, I definitely do. Because you have all of the tools. I have all the tools. Every last one. I Did I put one in there? Because I, I meant to put one in there before we started recording. And now I don't know. I don't think I did. Oh, yes, I did. Okay, yes. There's this one I want to tell you about. It's called Studio Shot. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Studio Shot. AI. I'm not an affiliate, but we should give you links if we are affiliates. Okay. So Studio Shot is premium headshots for professionals. It is $30. Okay. It's mm. 30. Wait, let me let me tell you the exact pricing. It is $29.25. Oh, this is for team. If you have a team. Yeah. So for one person, it's $29. If you have more than five people, it becomes $20 a person. Basically, same as the other funky AI like apps from your phone, like you upload about 10 different headshots. They should be looking in the camera by yourself, no other people. Then you choose like if you want a, a blurry background or a white background or makes you can choose like I'm out in the summer or I'm in my office and it will make these gorgeous headshots for you. I've been hmm. using them for two weeks and... I posted them on Facebook and I was like, these are something that AI made for me. What do you guys think? And I told them to choose which ones. Some of them look weird. In fact, Julie from um, Mother's Quest tried one and <laughs> the funniest one, She it was a, it's a perfectly beautiful headshot, but she has three hands. <laughs> oh, no. It's in some freaky. of them, my eye, in some of them, I definitely have like a wonky eye or two, but for the most part... The studio shot ones are perfect. They don't all wow. look just like me because it pulled my hair back in some of them. I'm wearing collared shirt, which I never wear in some of them. So I could only pick like three or four that, but you know, that's three or four headshots. Considering I've not been in front of a photographer since 2018 when we took those shots outside of California and Anaheim, I'd say they're pretty good. I've not had any professional. Isn't that right? Yes, you have. No, you you took quick pictures with Natalie in 2019. Those are the ones I'm talking about, I think. No, not in Anaheim. It was in uh, when we took them together. My hair was super short. It was at Podfest. When we're when I'm going like I'm being a Muppet and I'm doing all these crazy faces. That was in California, wasn't it? Uh, I don't think so. 2019. Okay, but my hair wasn't blue. You're right. It's 2019. Okay, but either way, so check out studioshot.ai. It's amazing. You will not believe it. They are incredible. And if you haven't done headshots and you don't want to spend 200 bucks on a photographer for 15 minutes, this is your answer. Give them a try for 30 bucks. It's definitely worth it. studioshot.ai. No one paid me for this endorsement. 
but they should have because it was awesome. <laughs> okay. Because it was awesome. It was awesome. Okay, you guys, once again, I want to encourage you to come to She Podcast Live. It's a safe space to learn. Everyone is very supportive and encouraging. And you can ask all the questions you want. There's amazing vendors, absolutely amazing speakers. And we can't wait to see you there. ShePodcastLive.com. Get your tickets and book your hotel rooms today, right now. Today. Today. Thank you so much for being with us live. And thank you so much for listening, not live. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, TikTok, at ShePodcast. And you can go to ShePodcast.com to find our show notes, our links from today, all the tools that we've been hanging out with. We forgot to do an app, but we'll get to that next time. We'll do our favorite app next time. We're going to do an app review now and an AI review in every show. We can't forget. This is us saying it so that I don't forget. Okay. Thank you guys so much for being with us again. If you want to email us, feedback at ShePodcast.com. Thank you so much. Love you. Mean it. Bye.